try acupuncture because it is so much more than you would ever think. And I, in my office, I offer a really safe space for you to live the life you want. I mean, I think people don't realize that they can. And, you know, I, with acupuncture, you can take it as far as you want. You know, you can take it to superhero levels and beyond. I'm working on that. You'll have to come in and see me. We'll do that. But <laughs> whatever age you are, there are various treatments that you can do. And there's so much healing that can be had. It's, it's amazing. Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to provide insight and wisdom into all things mental health, to sit down with individuals and talk about their journey, how they've broken free from the chains that bind them, to find their flame, their passions, and purpose. Welcome back to the podcast, listeners. Super excited for today and, and this episode number two of season two. Uh, today, our guest is Kristen Althea O'Connor. Now, Kristen and I have been trying to get this podcast going for the last couple of months, but we finally got to sit down and record it, and I think you all will really enjoy it. We get to talk a lot about um, pediatric mental health and health in general and talk about many different ways to approach health and life. Kristen has a background in acupuncture. She's a licensed acupuncturist and specializes in what's called five-element acupuncture, which is a really exciting approach to acupuncture and in life in general, and talk about seasons of life and different elements that correlate with organs and muscles and your whole body, wellness and emotions. Kristen has a really beautiful approach on how she approaches things in general, but then also in her own practice. And I'm super excited for all to listen to the podcast and get to know her a little bit better and what she does a little bit better. We definitely talk about the stigma of acupuncture and the, and the fear of needles. And hopefully if you're listening to this, she will assuage any fear you have of acupuncture and the needles in general. And, you know, give her, give her a call and see if you can schedule a session with her because... I think you all will really love her approach. So without further ado, here's Kristen. And there we go. The computer told us we're there recording, we so we're ready to go. Uh, awesome. Welcome back, listeners. So excited today to have a guest on that we've tried a couple times to get this recorded, <laughs> and we finally get to sit down and talk to her. Our guest today is Kristen Althea O'Connor. So excited to have you here. Um, Kristen is a licensed acupuncturist and uh, really excited to get into that and all that you do for the area and, and for wellness and health in general. So before we get into all that good stuff, I'm wondering if you could let our listeners know a little bit about yourself and share your origin story of who you are and how you came into the passion of doing what you're doing. Absolutely. So thank you so much for having me here. And uh, I am actually from the area. I grew up in Belchertown and I got acupuncture first out here. Um, I just had a couple of Western medicine things that weren't really being addressed. Sometimes Western medicine is amazing and sometimes it just right. kind of leaves you hanging. Yeah. And so that happened for me, nothing too big, but I got acupuncture and it, it just blew my mind. And I really thought, could this be a career for me? Uh, I just kind of planted a seed, but I really wasn't sure what would happen with my life. And I ended up moving to Florida and studying real estate for a little bit. And the school that I wanted to go to was really close. <laughs> so <laughs> I just, I just went, I just did it. And I said, I know that if this is not the right path, it will tell me, you know, and, and for sure I started learning and just loved it and still have such a zest for it. So I, I did that. It was a master's degree program. 
And I did that for, it's, it's three nonstop years. It's basically mm. a four-year program, but you just never end. And so I did that. And then I practiced in North Carolina because I had family there. But in my heart, I really wanted to come back this way. And so that was, that was always in my mind. And I was even going to get kind of a, a license here and have one in North Carolina. And I didn't end up doing that. I just ended up moving. My husband got a job in California. We moved a couple of times and I practiced in Oregon and I landed back here when I found out I was going to have a baby. So we've had two kids and, and here I am back doing my practice in the place that I grew up and I love. So I'm lucky. Yeah, well, you know, I, I would say welcome back, but you've been here for a little bit, but welcome back. <laughs> I'm glad that you were able to come back to the Valley and, and, and kind of reconnect and do all of that. So that, I mean, there, there's a lot to that, right? Like, I think it, I think there's a beauty to, you know, experiencing something that maybe you weren't aware of before. And, you know, you get this exposure, you open this door to a concept and then it becomes a huge, huge moving force in your life. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more specifically about, you know, what was it about acupuncture that really called to you and, and connected besides just, you know, doing that three slash four year, uh, program, but what was it about your experience that you were like, no, this seems like it's something I would like to do this. I really connect to this. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I really noticed, I started looking at a theme in all of the jobs that I'd had, because I had a variety of jobs, but the underlying theme I was finding and what made it work for me was trying to make people feel good. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I, I didn't get into Western medicine. That wasn't the path I was going in. And I went and got acupuncture and it was this peaceful, serene environment and people were feeling better in not just a physical sense, an emotional sense, a spiritual sense. And that really just sucked me in. And I learned that there was a different style of acupuncture called five element acupuncture that works on the emotional component of of disease, of balance. And that drew me in right there because I said, I know, I mean, it's, it's wonderful to make someone feel good if you're doing some sort of customer service job, but to be able to really profoundly impact someone that was, was really what drew me in. And so I knew when I started school, it was funny because everybody had, you know, a lot of people had these really profound stories of you know, this one woman was like following the school for years and trying to go, but she had kids. And then the school moved to the town she lived in. And it was this amazing thing. And I thought, well, I'm just somebody who's interested in acupuncture. And she's got this, you know, and she didn't end up staying with it because right. it wasn't meant for her. And that's how I knew it was meant for me because it it's still to this day, you know, this is 10 years later or so, it still blows my mind. It still fascinates me and gives me that spark and, you know, if, if someone's in the treatment room with me, they know, because I just can't help but to talk about the beauty of these points is amazing. Yeah. And I love that. I think yeah. there's this real beauty of, you know, law of attraction kind of philosophy, which, you know, like whatever you want to call it, like, I don't really connect with that necessary, yeah. necessary label to it, but like just opening this door to possibilities and allowing things to come as they come. I think scientifically makes a lot of sense because if you're not thinking about it or if you don't open your thoughts to the concept of this possibly happening, then yeah. it's not going to happen. But just having that thought and keeping that open, I think is is beautiful. And then also what you're talking about of that comparing and contrasting, really feeling like, well, I don't have this movie version of a story of, of what's driving me like this person, <laughs> like does that... And being able to bypass that and say, well, you know, this connects to me and that's enough. It doesn't have to be this, this huge, fantastical story. Sometimes it's fun if it is, but, uh, you know, I've had a similar thing sitting in a, a yoga training for uh, 12 step recovery and really just mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, these people have all these intense stories and really connecting. And I felt, you know, the odd person out. And then mm-hmm. in that introspection, I was like, oh, mine's just a little bit different, but no less worthy of, of pursuing. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's so personal and it really, that's what really flavors what you're doing anyway, because I think it, it takes time to kind of grow into your practice and learn 
that you aren't going to be everything to everyone. And that's what makes you even better. Right. So that's such a journey in itself to know like your experience in the yoga was what it was for you. And that was beautiful for you. And you don't have to be the same as every single person who has their own, you know, situation. Yeah, no, it, it, it's something I think, I mean, the other concept that you just mentioned that I feel like is really important for people to understand is that, you know, for you to get something out of what you do and be a service to other people doesn't mean you have to be the penultimate solution for people or the only option yeah. for people. And I think early on in doing mental health counseling, I felt so much pressure to, to be that oh, I, I, I'm going to research, I'm going to do all this stuff and and to just sit back and be there with that person was enough. And I, I think that's something you learn yeah. over time uh, mm -hmm. and that actually helps you get through some of that imposter syndrome. Totally. Yes. Agree. <laughs> It's amazing. I know we were jumping around, but I got really excited. So I, I just wanted to kind of <laughs> speak, speak to those points. Um, I, I guess what would be a really interesting thing that we could do in this podcast today would be um, talking a little bit about what acupuncture is and the five element aspect of what you're talking about, because I think a lot of people have heard about it, know about, you know, you know, the, the, societal version of what this may look like or have seen movies yeah. where it's happening and people freaking out about needles and things of that <laughs> nature and I'm wondering if you could speak to a little bit about what it is and specifically the the style that you do um, yeah you said you know the mental component and the emotional component related to that uh, just so that we can have a base to go from as we continue absolutely talking. yeah so so five elements looks at the human body as having five elements within us. We all have the five elements and they correspond with the seasons. And I know you're going, there's only four, uh, but we add an extra season in there. So we add late summer, which is that beautiful transition where it kind of dances between the heat of summer and mm -hmm. fall starting to happen. You know, it goes in New England. It's always such a journey. I think we um, have like 12 seasons in New England. <laughs> we have like 12 late summer, fall. It's It was really funny because I actually posted a lot of videos and I was like, no, really, it's going to be fall soon, I swear. Um, so yeah, so the, so the concept is that we have all of these elements within us and they represent so many things. They correspond to different organ systems. They correspond to different emotions. And so just like you would know, we have all of our emotions. We all have emotions. But the concept is that somebody will get stuck in an emotion. You know, there's a debate whether it happens in utero or when you're very young, but you get kind of off balance in an emotion. And that's kind of where you live. So going to the superhero aspect, right? This is your greatest strength and weakness depending how it plays out. So the way I look at my job is to, like you were just saying a minute ago, you're constantly listening and observing because people are dynamic and it's not my job to just decide what they are. They're going to constantly tell me. And so I learn what's going on for them. And then I have to help them take that part of them that feels like a weakness and make it their superpower. So perfect example, I love to think about is sensitivity. Some people will say, oh, I'm so sensitive. And, you know, society has put that as a bad thing. You know, stop being so sensitive. If you're sensitive and you're doing it in a way that's healthy, that means you're really reading the room. You're knowing when somebody is upset before, maybe even they know, and you're helping them balance that out. It's such a beautiful thing. So I feel like so much of my job is to listen and observe and then empower somebody to step into their truth and say, Hey, this is, this is who you are. This is what you have. And, and they tell me, you know, you, they will tell me over and over through what goes on with them. What's out of balance. You know, someone will come in and say, you know, my girlfriend's been yelling at me all week, but I know she's not, I just, it feels like that to me. Can you help me with that? Yeah, I can. You know, so that's, that's the aspect that I work on is helping people find that deep level of balance. And one of the big things that I do a lot that you don't get in traditional Chinese medicine is working on trauma. Trauma is big and it's, you know, you hear people 
sometimes people think their trauma isn't trauma because it's not like we were talking about earlier. It's not a dramatic story that they would expect would be trauma. But if somebody hurt your feelings in fifth grade and embarrassed you in front of the class and that stuck with you, that's trauma that can stick with you. And it would be nice to not have that live in you and hold you back. So that's, that's how I ended up doing much more focus on trauma in my practice because to watch somebody grow beyond that is just mind blowing. Right. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've moved away from, I still use the term trauma, but when I ask people about it, I I talk more specifically about like adverse experiences that they've encountered because it takes away some of the stigmatized uh, thought patterns of maybe not even in a negative way, but just invalidating their own experiences because they're like, well, it's not as bad as this but it, yeah. it still resonates in, in their body and in their mind. And so I think that's a really important part is, you know, doing some of that deeper stuff with people makes a lot of sense because we get trapped in like, well, this isn't an issue because you're comparing it right. to like your neighbor or people you see on TV and the news and, and things like that. You're totally right. And it's, it's really interesting because it tends to evolve out anyway. It tends to come out. So I have to constantly talk about it in the treatment room with people to remind them that their emotions are valid because they've gotten so used to just tucking it away and, and having the back pain and that's it. Um, So I, I'm constantly reminding people and I had a patient once perfect example. She was coming to me for some jaw pain and she was just working through it for a while. And then all of a sudden she said, well, you're not a therapist, right? And I said, no, I'm, you know, I'm an acupuncturist, but like, what's going on? We can talk about stuff. And she said, I'm mean to my husband and I don't want to be. Like he's, his doctors told him he had to do X, Y, and Z. He's not doing it. I'm so mean to him. I don't want to be. Can you help me with that? That's amazing. And it's, it wasn't available to her as a conversation until many treatments in, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just important to have this safe space for people to come there when they're ready. That's, I I mean, I think that's great. And so much of that is relationship based. So if you're able to kind of hold that safe space and people resonate with it, then you're able to do some really good work, regardless of of the background, right? Like just feeling heard and validated is is really transformative. And then obviously there's, you know, the physical part of acupuncture as well that goes along with that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, the way I like to describe it too, is that to me, it feels like the needles are like a little bell of wisdom inside of of somebody. So, you know, I could have a conversation with someone about a relationship that's not working for them. And we could talk it out and they could say, I should leave this person. I should, I could say yes. And they could say, my friends say I should leave. And I could say yes. But until they have that inner knowing of, hey, maybe I should leave this person. You know, it's not going to shift. And the needles do that. It really unlocks a blocked space for them to have movement, to have cheap flow, to say, Hey, maybe I should go, you know, and it's, that's when life is most beautiful is when you've made the decision. So that's what I love about it so much. And can you speak a little bit about how that works with the needles and, you know, obviously the energy gates in the body and the chi flowing and connecting to like these meridian gates and, and, and flow of the energy in your body. Can you speak a little bit about what how you do that and yeah. how the needles work yeah so i use less needles than traditional acupuncturists do and it's because it's working more focused on a specific location uh, like very particular point location it's working on really making a big impact on the body so you could um you could do a point on somebody that they say well i'm feeling overwhelmed i'm feeling stressed i have back pain that one point could do all of that. So, so my needles are very small. If you've ever seen acupuncture needles, I mean, they're really tiny there. Yeah. You can fit 20 into a hypodermic needle and yeah. they're tiny. And especially the ones I use for pediatric acupuncture, it's like the tiniest, thank God they have bright <laughs> tips. So you, so you can, can see, see them. <laughs> yeah. So you don't yeah, leave them they, and then they, someone goes home and sits down. It's like, Oh well, yeah. Kids wiggle. So yeah. it's like to know that you can see what you're doing. Um, so you, you put the needle into, you know, you have a very precise location that you're feeling the energy of the chi and you put the needle in. It does not go very deep. 
and then you turn it so you can turn it to tonify to amp up the energy or sedate so it's counterclockwise or clockwise to calm the energy down and you're literally just unlocking the pathway and what they are in the body is very much like if you think of the oceans you know connecting down to rivers connecting down to streams it's just like that in the body we have some main meridians that run through the center and then you know front and back and then everything branches out they connect to the organs and they have very dynamic relationships so for example a lot of anxiety is coming from the heart and kidney together and their dynamic is the heart's supposed to just beat nicely and, and calmly and all the other organs are supposed to do things for the heart and the kidney is supposed to gently mist up some cooling air to calm the heart and if it doesn't that's when the heart's beating fast and that's where anxiety comes from so it's literally just so much of what i do is listening to people and really hearing what they're going through and then finding the right points. And I'm very lucky because I tend to attract people who are really tapped into what's going on with them. So them knowing what's going on for them more and more helps me get the better points. Right. And that's really what I do. Yeah. And I, I really, I really love that because um, one of the things I think a lot of people think about with, with emotions and mental health and things in general is the very top down kind of philosophy is the brain tells the body what's going on with emotions. And I think what you're talking <laughs> about is like a bottom up, which is like, well, the body is also super informative on that nature too. And I think if we don't take that into account, we're missing a big chunk of what's actually happening with our yeah. thoughts and our emotions and our cognitions and how our body responds. Oh, it is. It's, it's fascinating. And it's, everybody can understand the concept of being nervous and having, you know, like heart racing or upset stomach being worried. Like those make sense to people, but the, the bigger things are like, let's say you had grief and you held on to it for 10 years and you just, because that happens, you don't let yourself grief. It's, it's too big. Mm. Oh my gosh. The amount of things it's, it's going to come out somewhere. <laughs> so you're going to see how your body I always think of a hose having like a weak spot in the hose. It, that water's coming out. Right. You know, if you're going to put a kink in the hose, it's coming out somewhere. And so you can't avoid it. You can't avoid your emotions. It would be lovely if you could, but you can't. It's going to yeah. come out in all the physical. And that's why when people come in and you start to work on the physical and the emotional, they see this huge shift because they're so linked. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I, I think, <laughs> you know, we could talk about specific systems, but I, I mean, even the fascia in the body, right. Which interconnects with, with everything, your organs and cases, yeah. your organs and your muscles is, you know, if you push things down and don't process, or, if, or if you have these sticking points of, of issues that, that li literally live in your tissues, right. That after you experience yeah. it, it, it kind of dries out the, the fascia. And so it becomes solidified. And so we see a lot of people with anxiety in their posture is like, Oh, I just have poor posture, but there's this natural body inclination to kind of lean forward. And a lot yeah. of it is protecting the vital organs, right? Like if you're being yeah. attacked, you cover your shoulders, come forward, you protect. And so that's, yeah. you know, just as an example is the anxiety can freeze in that position. The fascia kind of gets stuck in that position. And and people don't even know it. I've had many people with anxiety come in and they're just kind of looking down and hunched forward and their postures, like not, they've never had an issue with their posture. It's just like the freezing of those, you know, tissues that happen. And so doing work to the body is helpful for that. Like yoga, yeah. hydration, massage, acupuncture, things like that. And then also yeah. I've seen people do work with me on on the emotions and it shifts as well this natural yeah. kind of sitting back and you know mm -hmm. unfreezing of those things so i think it's very amazing and and part of our nonprofit is like trying to get all of these things in a spot that people can kind of work on so it's not just very like oh you gotta you're going to therapy it's like well first we want to destigmatize that but we also want to offer yeah. other people options that it's not just talk therapy to alleviate this and that's why you know why i reached out to you to have you on because i think it, it's so informative and i think there's a lot of unknownness to to what we're talking about here. it's totally true and I, I feel like that's one of the biggest things to do when you're in this type of work that i'm doing and you're doing is to build a team 
because it is, you know, when you're approaching this from many directions, that's when the healing goes very quickly. And so that's one of the things I do a lot in the beginning is talk to people about what they're interested in. Because if I think yoga would be wonderful for you and you don't think it's going to be, and you're not going to do it, that's it. You know, and that's actually why I added in the beginning of my practice, I added essential oils because I knew from practicing and studying Chinese herbs, if people aren't using them to the fullest potential they can, why? You know, I mean, like the, the most important way you could use Chinese herbs is to boil them and have this decoction that you're taking. And it's, it's amazing. It smells your whole house like Chinese herbs. Not everybody can do that or their family will go with that, you know? So then you say, well, there's a powdered form. Well, I didn't like the taste of the powdered form or there's a pill form. Well, I forgot to take the pill. You know, (laughs) it's like, it's such a journey. So that's why I loved essential oils because people love the smell of them. They're drawn to using them. They're not going to forget to use them. And that's it. That's what healing is about is building your team, getting the right tools. Right. It's it's yeah. just when I do personal training with people, I think that's it's just the same thing. It's it's people hate running. I'm not gonna sit down and be like, well, you should go run. <laughs> right. Right. And, and right. I do some of this in therapy with people too, about like health and journeys of that and really breaking down like, well, you're why are you focusing on running or going to the gym if you don't like that? What other things can you <laughs> right. incorporate? Like, do you like to go for a walk? Do you like hiking? Oh, you like to rollerblade? Let's go rollerblade. Not me, right. because I, I I can't do the rollerblading because <laughs> I used to skateboard and I I have like past kind of, you know, I have to work on that a little bit myself, but there's this past stigma <laughs> like, well, if I skateboard, I can't rollerblade because back in the day it was, <laughs> obviously I'm joking, but I'm also not super coordinated enough to rollerblade. <laughs> so, not anymore. But I, I, you know, like using someone's strength to kind of help them in the process is super important because, yeah, you know, otherwise it's an uphill battle and, and it doesn't need to be. No. And I, I feel like that's, that's one of the most important things to me is to feel empowered. You know, I think people are so, even by the time they come in and I sure you see this too, is they come in and they feel broken and kind of hard on themselves for not getting in sooner that happens so often. And it's like the steps you took to get to the point where you're sitting across from me, you should be crying and you should be really proud of yourself because that's the beginning. And it's, it's so powerful to give someone this space to say, Hey, I see the beauty in you. Can you see it? And they don't sometimes in the beginning, but to have a space where they can find it, you know, work, work into that is awesome. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. I, I feel a lot of people come in and immediately undercut them coming in. Well, I should have done this before, or you know, like yeah. oh, I'm, I'm kind of late in doing this. It's like, well, you're here. That's you know, <laughs> to quote GI Joe, half the battle, right? Is walking through, walking through the door <laughs> takes a lot of strength and empowerment. And I think yes. you know, if, if you've never experienced that, um, you don't really understand just how transformative it can be, even if you last one session or even if you uh, leave yeah. after a couple of sessions it, it's still that step forward that I think it's generative it is and, and that and that's one of the reasons and I say this all the time but I can't help it I'm smiling so much at work because I know these are people that are coming in working on their stuff mm-hmm. and how lucky am I to get to be part of that that's that's amazing that's that's a life right there mm-hmm. I think <laughs> no I agree with you I tell I tell clients all the time you know I learned from you just as much as you may kind of learn something from our sessions together and and yeah. it's an honor to hold that space and be part of that that treatment and I really do believe that um you know even when I close out even if it's like well well you know we haven't gotten to where we want to be I still think it's you know I always thank people for allowing me to be part of their life and yeah. and kind of sit there because I do think it's a really intimate thing and I don't it's, I think it's beyond just this concept. Oh, I go here every once in a while. Like I, I do think there's this resonance yeah. that happens and definitely transforms, you know, my energy and my soul being able to see that response with people. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned pediatric um, acupuncture. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that because I do think, you know, again, 
the stigmatizing of things and, and needles and things of that nature is always off-putting for people. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about one, how do you do that with, with uh, adolescents and pediatrics? And then two, um, you know, what does that really look like? So if we have any listeners, they're not stuck in this stigmatized version of what it may, may look like. Yeah, that's an awesome question because most people and and most people still even think of acupuncture in general as I'm going to go, I'm having some back pain, I'm having shoulder pain, they're going to stick some needles in there. So there's so much work to be done on that. But pediatric acupuncture is amazing because I don't have to use needles. So sometimes people think acupuncture, oh, why would I ever do pediatric acupuncture? Like, why would I put a kid with needles? Oh my gosh, there's so many techniques. So there's cupping, which I'm sure you've seen. A lot of people yeah. have seen, you always see that during the Olympics. It's like a swimmer uh, covered with like marks on their back. Yeah. I, um, my, my brother does cupping cause he's got a background in uh, Chinese massage and martial arts oh, and he, he awesome. teaches Tai Chi and Qigong and uh, singing Bagua. And uh, so he, I've been introduced to that for, for years and years, which it is very jarring because you see the cupping marks, but it, it does <laughs> really feel nice. In, in those <laughs> well, moments. you can do so on pediatrics, you do flash cupping, which okay. you're literally just putting the cup down and picking it back up. So you're doing quick suction. So it doesn't mm. leave the marks often. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but so there's that and gua sha, which is, you know, running a um, tool, yeah, stone down down the back often. Um, but there's twina, which is a massage technique. I mean, there's different places to do you know, massage on somebody, there's little ear seeds that you can put in. I mean, there's, there's so many things that have nothing to do with needles. Um, and so that's how you work with it is you do the needles when you can and when you need to. And sometimes you don't, you know, so I'm, you know, I have somebody I'm going to work with who I'm going to put some ear seeds in, and then I'm going to do some massage techniques on his forehead to help him calm his energy and to help with ADHD. And if you think about that, I mean, who doesn't want a massage? <laughs> you I know, know, I, I mean, mean after this interview, I might <laughs> schedule something with you because you should you do know. it. <laughs> it's very so you what you do with kids is you expect less, you're going to do a shorter appointment, you're going to make it very easy and accessible for them by showing them your tools and letting them look at them like I have really cool colored needles. So that's part of it. And then you just keep it simple. And for a child's energy, it's, it's still being developed. So they don't need as much right. just in, in my opinion, too, with adults, you don't need 200 needles to accomplish something for somebody. I feel like that's too much. We already have so much going on in this society coming at us at all times. Um, I was just listening to Thich Nhat Hanh's book, Silence, um, which is all about that, the overwhelm of, of things coming at us. So it's so nice. You just do two points. I, I worked with a little boy who had anxiety the other day. And I, all I did is two points. And I did a technique called Shoni Shin, which is um, a little tool that uh, it's just, I just press on the acupuncture points. So I just pressed and massaged on these points. And I did a couple of essential oils. Totally great now. And he was very weepy and teary about the bus and really anxious, completely calmed down after one treatment. Um, he hadn't had a lot of time to develop this anxiety because he got into acupuncture very early, but you can make a really big impact by using very little. Yeah. And, and that's how I got drawn to pediatric acupuncture. I just, I have two kids now. And so you see the power of what it's like when they have a practitioner who's amazing and that sets somebody up for life that sets a tone and to teach a child to kind of start to look at their own emotions themselves and kind of learn how to regulate is huge. And so that's how I was drawn to it. And that's why I'm doing it. And I, I mean, to think of the amount of trauma that kids face nowadays at early ages, and to imagine trauma being addressed at age eight, instead of 48, when you've been having all of those years of stress and that trauma, creating more trauma, that's, where that comes in. Yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah, I, 100%. I do think, you know, I think it's a really cool way to do it. And again, going back to what we were talking about is, is allowing them to have some control over this dynamic rather than feeling, yeah. oh, I have to have this done, or I don't have any awareness of this, or 
you know, just sitting and educating kids on on certain things, it, it's so small, but it's such a powerful shift. I have a bunch of kids yeah. who come in who have already established diagnoses and I sit down with yeah. them and I say, do you know what that is? Can we talk through this? And they'll yeah. say, I've, I've never heard of what this is. I just know what people tell me this is. And so we'll right. sit down and, you know, not that I actually really like the DSM and, and for diagnosing, but I do think it's important like, okay, well, let, let's look at this and then expand yeah. from there and not just like, and then we look at like people who have the diagnosis and what they say about it too, because I do think that's a powerful thing. One of the benefits I think from some social media is, is connect connecting in that point too. Um, yeah. You know, I know there's a lot of stigmatized viewpoints of social media and I think there's value in that, but I also think there's this really cool connecting point of saying, Oh, I didn't realize that that's what I do or, Oh, this person did yeah. this to help them with that. Let me try it. And there, there's value to that. Um, there, there really is. I mean, you're not going to find that back in the eighties in a dictionary, you know, I mean, you're just <laughs> not going to get, get the exact same experience. And yeah. I think you're right because it empowers people to not feel stuck in a box. <laughs> like here's your diagnosis. There you go. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, someone said this one thing is what you have. Okay. What do we do with that? Right. Like, how can we make that the superpower? You yeah. know, that's really it. And exactly yeah. what you were talking about is showing them the tools and explaining the tools instead of like, no, no, sit still, this is going to be fine. Um, I, I think yeah. it, there's great levels of empowerment. Oh, I can hold this. I can feel what this is like. I can, I can connect to this yeah. in a way that makes more sense rather than it being done to me. I have some control over what that looks like. And I do think, yeah. you know, so much of that power dynamic with younger kids, adolescence is what causes these juxtaposition of, you know, responses and, and breakdowns and, yeah. you know, uh, so I think just taking that time is amazing that you're doing that one. And then two, really transformative for people because in any avenue of life, if they feel like, oh, I can have some kind of control with my relationship with this person who's an adult. Um, yeah. I think that's very amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. I mean, I feel like, again, to get out ahead of, of what you feel stuck in as a child, it's just, you don't always get that. So I'm, I'm excited that more and more people are opening and coming to it and understanding what it is instead of going, oh, needles, you know, because you always think of the needles you get a shot with. And it's, it's not like that at all, at all. I actually had, um, this was a fun one. I had a woman I was treating for a while. And one day her daughter came with her who is eight. And she was really nervous because her mom's going to get needles, you know. And so she sat in the corner and she was coloring while her mom got her treatment. And at the end, she handed me a drawing and it was somebody laying on the acupuncture table. It was her mom. And it said, acupuncture is relaxing. Uh, and I, I was that. like, yeah, because her mom was sleeping. You know, it was like she <laughs> got this suddenly. She came in in this place of like needles. And then she was like, oh, oh, my mom seems really happy and relaxed. Like maybe this is something <laughs> right. at I, eight, you know. I love that, too, because I have a, you know, I have a, a decent amount of tattoos. And I think it's it's always funny when I go give blood. They're like, oh, you don't have to worry. I'm like, well, I still don't like having my vein puncture <laughs> to give blood. No, so, I think no. you know, like we have these associations with, with things. And I think um, it's really important to challenge those. And I think that's great that that kid came in and was like, oh, OK, so it's not as scary because these aren't. These yeah, aren't, it's I, nothing like I thought. Right. It's not like I'm going to have 200 uh, butterfly sutures kind of going into me and, <laughs> and training me. No, <laughs> no. Um, but I, I also like we bypassed this, but I wanted to come back to it. It's this, this concept of like being very minimal as an option, I think is also amazing because I, I do think like in our society and in many other societies, there's like this feeling of, oh, let's throw more at it to really clean it out and really just, just do it. And I've seen it in my earlier practices too, where the concept was, let's do this and then do this, do, do this. You never really get to slow down and see how that original concept or that original intervention or that original point actually does, because you're, you're just trying to maximize. And I, I love that concept of just starting small and kind of seeing 
you know, or not just starting small, but the ability to kind of be on this bandwidth where it doesn't have to be everything is happening. It can be very, very, very nuanced. That's very true. And and sometimes healing takes time. Yeah. And so it's really interesting to see the journey of how it goes and what really is happening for someone. If you do, if I did 200 points, how would I have any idea which point really made the difference? If I did seven, now we're talking, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. That's what, when I talk to people about supplements or uh, nut nutrition changes to kind of help with mental health, I'll start very small like that too, because you don't want to just go out and buy all this stuff and then you don't know what's actually no. working and what's not. Oh, no, that makes me happy to hear you say that because that's happened sometimes too, is people will come in and they're on this massive list of supplements. And I'm like, wow, where do we even, how would you even know if what I'm doing is helping you if you just started these and there's so many of these, like, but it's a lot, you know, I think, yeah. I think it's nice to start small and to really see how your body does with something. And sometimes you don't know until, you know, you go out of town and so you miss a week treatment and then you go, wow, that really was helping my back. Like I, I really felt it the minute I was gone too long. So, yeah. I have this quote <laughs> I made up one day after a session where I thought it was really funny. And, and, and cause I was, I was thinking about this intuitiveness about yourself and this awareness about yourself is really important to any kind of healing modality, because like you yeah. were saying, if you come in and you have that awareness or have some concept of awareness that moves the healing a little bit faster, but there's this yeah. quote I made up uh, a long time ago, and I don't remember if I'm going to quote it correctly or not. <laughs> it's my own quote, so it doesn't really matter. I was it's just really... <laughs> going to say that. No one will know. <laughs> but the concept was, is, you know, if people had superpowers in real life, let's say it was Marvel or DC or, or something like that, our lack of awareness of self would really inhibit that and you wouldn't even know it, uh, so many people wouldn't even know if they actually had superpowers because of that lack of awareness <laughs> and i was totally. i use it in sessions sometimes talking about you know like uh, strengths and skills and things of that nature and i do some emdr treatment with people and part mm -hmm. of that is talking about strengths and skills and it's always the hardest part for people to do and so we oh, have yeah. like we devote like 15 to 20 minutes just building that up and really talking about what that looks like. Oh yeah. I thought you were going to say 15 or 20 years. I was like, yeah. Oh, well that, yeah. that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still doing it. I'm still working on it. So. Right. You know. If we're doing it right, we're always still working on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something I think a lot of people uh, forget too, is that healing is, uh, I often think that healing is not, a stagnant position it's always moving it's always yeah. changing and always adjusting and i think a lot of people kind of like enlightenment or you know whatever we're yeah. we're kind of associating it's like oh once i reach this pinnacle everything's good and it's, it's just always constant and moving and i it, that may totally be just that may be disheartening to some people but i actually think it's it's really beautiful oh it is because you never know what's around the corner yeah. You don't know, you know, I always describe it like layers of an onion because you're not going to release so much that you can't handle it. You're always going to release enough to get yourself to the next place, but you don't know that, you know, the, the next thing that sets you off might be, you know, the light beyond that. You don't know. Right. right. So, so the, yeah, I think that's, that's great. Cause I look back at like 30 year old me or even 20 year old me and you know, some of that's embarrassing <laughs> for sure. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. but, but healing for that person was way different than healing for me now. And, and I absolutely, I, it's generative to kind of create that space. Yeah. That's the best part of aging is yeah. starting to really like settle in your healing and get the groove and be like, all right, this is, this is how it goes. Sometimes they're tough. Sometimes they're easy. And you work through the tough times and you see what comes out of it. For me, it's exciting. the gray and the beard. That's my favorite part of aging. Because mm. my, my dad has a really shock white beard. It looks like Santa Claus. Awesome. And I, I'm excited oh. for my future with that as well. <laughs> I know that comes from a very privileged place because society doesn't really look at men and grayness and white hair the same. And I think, you know, I'm not trying to overstep the bounds of like, I want to honor. <laughs> That's a very privileged point of view to be with aging. But. Yes you know yeah that's true 
<laughs> so Kristen, um, we're in that fake faux lightning round stage, and I'm going to throw a couple questions at you, and uh, we'll see where it goes. So the first question right. is always, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? So I I thought about this for a long time because we 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 tried to We've been connect to for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, it was funny because I came up with a superpower. I was very proud of it. And then I realized it doesn't work and I'll tell you why. So I thought the superpower would be to show people how amazing they are. Mm. And the reason I can't stick with that is because I think it's about the journey. Mm -hmm. if, if you just suddenly saw your profound amazingness in one moment's time, would you appreciate it? I don't know. Right. You know, yeah. so I, I don't know. Would it then be as strong as a resonance as it would be if you found it yourself? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would be. I really, I feel, you know, that saying of, of he or she who has tasted, has not tasted bitter, cannot taste sweet. It's like, I really think so much comes out of those tough moments and we don't want to have the tough moments. <laughs> None of us want to have the tough moments, but when you come out on the other side, like, like my mom and mom passed away um and we're coming on 11 years now and oh it destroyed me but because of that i can treat grief in the treatment room in a whole different way mm. you know and that has become more of a superpower because i can sit with somebody and that know what that felt like mm. i will not know what their grief felt like but i knew what mine was yeah. um and did I want to have to go through that? No, <laughs> I really didn't. But I, I, so I know. Yeah. I don't know. It's what is your superpower? <laughs> well, it's the difference. Well, let me speak a little bit about what you're talking real quick. Uh, it's the difference between external validation and internal validation, right? To, to be externally validated by someone and especially at young ages is really important. But at a certain point that, that uh, transformative validation comes from within and in that process, which is hard. You know, it's not as yeah. easy as just sitting and letting it happen, but I, I do think you're right on that. Um, my superpower, like the one that I would want. Yeah, I um, should have asked you that earlier. So I had, I had to prepare. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, I've answered this question a couple of times, but uh, the one that I would want as an actual superpower would be to control uh, probability so that it would allow me to in a world that had superpowers, nothing is impossible. So I could just control the probability Ooh. of what superpower I'd have. And it would give me access to oh, a bunch of super. It's a cheat. It's like a cheat having... for sure. It is a cheat. I like it. <laughs> but I've grown up on yeah. comic books. So, you know, for me, it's like, oh yeah, no brainer. Let's make do when that. did you come up with this? Uh, college. <laughs> so like, <laughs> these are questions I think about. Like another question I think about a lot of times is I'll look around my environment and I'll say, oh, okay, if gravity reversed right now, what would I do to make sure I was safe so I don't go flying through the ceiling or stuff doesn't fall on me? It's a way to pass time. <laughs> I developed that early on in my life when I had to go to church all the time. I would look around and be like, okay, how would I protect myself if gravity reversed right now? So like- That's amazing. <laughs> some of these questions come from like years and years of my own experience of asking myself these questions. <laughs> That's so you said awesome. that was your original response. Have you thought about never, it more? Do you have a new, newer response? I never landed on one. I feel like, I don't know. It, it sounds so non-superhero to say, but it's, it's really interesting to live life as it is. You know, like I, um, you remember when the book Eat, Pray, Love came out and mm -hmm. it was so popular and I, I wanted to, but I did not get around to writing a book about the concept of what would you, what would you be like if you could stay where you are and, you know, slog through the nine to five job you hated and still have a profound experience. Like right. <laughs> really that's where it is, you know? So that makes me think of the superhero thing. Like if you had to stay in this body, in this mind, in this spirit, what, what could you accomplish? I don't know. Right. Cause we <laughs> so often look for those exciting distractions or other ways of doing something rather than just tolerating yeah. where we're at and, and moving through it yeah it's such a mortal yeah. answer yeah I guess I'm not secretly a superhero I don't know well you know <laughs> I don't know if you have that tolerance you could find out you are a superhero and then you'd have to come back on and you're like actually I would I'm the flash mm. um I'll fill you in I'll fill you in <laughs> I was 
I was Catwoman once. Um, I did a uh, paddleboard competition with a friend of mine. We had never paddleboarded. So uh, we were like, we're going to dress up so no one will know who we are. Fair. And I dressed up as, as Catwoman because why would you not? You know, she doesn't want to mm-hmm. go near the water. Yeah. Uh, and that way, when I, it's a so horrible you, job, it, no one can tell. Yeah. And you're just like, well, it's because I'm Catwoman. I'm near the <laughs> it's, water. It's, my natural horrible. I, yeah. Enemy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, what would you say your true life superpower is? If you, your strength, we've talked a lot about skill sets and strength. Yeah. What would you say your true life superpower is and what you do? I'm going to have to say making people feel good about themselves. And what I mean by that is, I feel like the right people have come to me who are ready to be comfortable in themselves and mm-hmm. to feel heard. And that's what I've always aspired to be. So I'm hoping that's my superpower. Um, because I feel like people say things to me that they might not otherwise have, have said, you know, sometimes again, people will come in for acupuncture with a very physical complaint. And as we're going, things start to come out. And I feel like part of it is the needles and part of it is just feeling comfortable with me. So I'm hoping that's my superpower. I hope if you interviewed all my patients, they would be like, Oh, definitely. (laughs) Well, Kristen has been awesome to sit and talk with you. If you had to boil down what we've talked about this whole hour into like a one minute clip of of something that you would want the listener to take away from our podcast here today, what would, what would that gem of knowledge be that you would want them to leave with? Oh, that's a great one. I would say try acupuncture because it is so much more than you would ever think. And I, in my office, I offer a really safe space for you to live the life you want. I mean, I think people don't realize that they can and you know, with acupuncture, you can take it as far as you want. You know, you can take it to superhero levels and beyond. I'm working on that. You'll have to come in and see me. We'll do that. But (laughs) that's what I would say is, is, you know, what, whatever age you are, there are various treatments that you can do. And there's so much healing that can be had. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much. I feel honored to share the space with you and, and really appreciate you coming in and being open and honest and sharing your experience awesome thank you so much i really appreciate it